Beloved congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, what do vultures like to eat? If you were to place a large heap of rotting roadkill on one plate and a large pile of fresh fruit and vegetables on another, which plate would the vulture choose? Well, we know what the vulture would choose. It would choose the plate with the roadkill. Why? Because that is the nature of a vulture. That's what vultures do. That is who vultures are. Vultures eat carrion, the decaying flesh of dead animals. Now, if you locked that vulture in a cage and only fed it fresh fruit and vegetables, let's say it even pecked at them a bit, enough to keep it alive. But here's the question. If we manage to force the vulture to eat something against its nature, does that make it stop being a vulture? Can we suddenly call the vulture a parakeet just because it's being obliged to eat fruit and vegetables? Of course not. We know that. Even if we force an outward change of behavior, that won't change the nature of the vulture. It will always long for decaying flesh. And the only way the vulture will ever desire fruits and vegetables instead of carrion is if it underwent a radical transformation of its nature to the point where it is no longer a vulture. Now, what does all this vulture talk have to do with the true repentance or conversion of man? Well, let's consider the parable. The decaying flesh is sin. The fruits and vegetables is good works. The vulture is our old nature, our fallen nature, our sin nature. Now, the catechism asks the question, what is the true repentance or conversion of man? Now, note that word true there in question 88, because there is a false repentance. There is a false conversion. That's what the hypocrites, the fake believers do. They spend all their time and effort putting on a good show, a good facade. And outwardly, they follow all the so-called rules. And outwardly, they look like very good Christians. And outwardly, they chow down on the fruits and vegetables. But inwardly, they're longing for decaying flesh. Inwardly, they're still ruled by their vulture nature. And whenever they get the chance, when no one is looking, when they think they can get away with it, they sneak a bite of roadkill. They nurture a love for sin, and they cover it with a whitewash of fake holiness. The Bible teaches, and the church confesses, that true repentance is not in the first place about what you do or what you stop doing. Rather, true repentance has to do with a radical transformation of our nature. Our old nature has to die, and our new nature has to come alive. Now, if we look at question answer 89, what is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we've offended God by our sin more and more, to hate it, to flee from it. It looks like the catechism is giving us a list of things that we need to do in order to achieve the transformation of our natures. But we need to remember what we have already confessed way back in question answer 43. If you turn back in your psalm book 
your book of praise to page 530. And in Lord's Day 16, this is what we confess there. What further benefit do we receive from Christ's sacrifice and death on the cross? Through Christ's death, our old nature is crucified, put to death, and buried with him so that the evil desires of the flesh may no longer reign in us. That's what we confessed way back in question answer 43. Our old nature is crucified. It's put to death. It's buried with him because through Christ's death, that's how it happens. And that's the confession of what Scripture teaches. We, we read Romans chapter 6 a few moments ago. And in Romans chapter 6, uh, look at verse 6 there, if you have your Bible handy still. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. That is true for everyone who is in Christ. For all believers, he killed your old nature dead. He did it. And so returning to question answer 89, when we grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more hate it and flee from it, this is not our way of trying to change our own natures through our own effort. No. This is simply observing and experiencing and rejoicing in the consequences of the work of Christ on the cross. And so to have this experience, to have this Reality in your heart and life, all you need to do is look to Christ. Do you see this in your heart? Do you see this in your life? Do you see godly grief for sin? Do you hate sin more and more? Do you run away from sin and temptation? Now, we must not deceive ourselves into thinking that remorse is the same as repentance. The Bible speaks about this difference in 2 Corinthians 7, verse 10. 2 Corinthians 7, 10, where the Scripture says this, For godly grief produces a repentance that leads to salvation without regret, whereas worldly grief produces death. So the Bible talks about two different types of grief, a, a godly grief, and a worldly grief. Godly grief leads to salvation. Worldly grief leads to death. And remorse is worldly grief. Remorse is when we don't like the unpleasant consequences of our sin. Remorse is sitting there in jail thinking to yourself, well, I'm glad I successfully robbed the bank, but I'm sad that I got caught. I don't like the consequences of my actions. Now, repentance is different. Repentance is when sin bothers us even when no one knows about it, even when we have not yet experienced any unpleasant consequences, but we hate it anyway. We hate it because we love God, and we want to please God, and anything which offends God, we hate and so a heart which knows godly grief for sin will hate sin. It will flee from temptation rather than flirting with temptation. 
Brother and sister, don't deceive yourself. God is not looking for purely external compliance. You know, you ever had a shopping trolley at Walmart and you're pushing it along the aisles and the, and, the, and the wheel keeps pushing, it keeps pulling in a certain way, it keeps trying to drive you into the, into the, uh, into the, the shelves? That's how we are as believers. We, we keep tilting towards legalism. It, just give it time and, and the church just starts drifting towards changing the gospel into legalism where you just do the right thing. You just keep the rules. You just comply. And then you're a good Christian. That's not the gospel. God doesn't want you to work harder, to make yourself a better person, to make yourself acceptable by doing more good things and fewer bad things. That is not Christianity. That is not the gospel. And if you're desperately trying to deal with sin that way, you'll never win. And you'll never get there. The Bible tells us over and over and over that we are not justified by works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. And so legalism isn't the answer. What we need is a radical transformation of our nature. What we need is to experience the reality that is ours by faith, that our old nature has been crucified with Christ and that our new nature has risen with him to new life. Jesus is the only answer here, as he always is. And so what we are looking for is not merely that we would not sin, but what we are looking for is that we would not even desire to sin. And so we need to look at our old nature as a dangerous, sneaky, poisonous snake which wants to kill us. And we need to kill it instead. We need to mortify, mortify the flesh. We need to put the flesh to, to death. We need to, to kill it. And if that's our goal, to kill the old nature, then we don't feed it, do we? If there's a monster attacking you, you don't feed it. You fight it. The old nature gets stronger when we choose to sin. The old nature gets stronger when we flirt with temptation. The old nature gets stronger when we fill our minds with godless thoughts and our eyes with godless entertainment and our lives with vain things. But instead of nurturing the old nature, we are called to cast it out. Out, out with the old. We're called to cast it out of the home of our hearts and lock the door against it. And with it, we cast all of the things that belong to it. Look at Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 for a second. Philippians, Colossians 3, verse 5. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Now, now why should we do this? And how can we do this? How can we put these things to death? Well, look in your Bible there on page 984, if you've got a pew Bible. Put to death, therefore, says the apostle. So he's basing this on something he already said. And what's the therefore connected to? Well, it's connected 
to verse 1. We can put to death what is earthly because we have been raised with Christ. And so we can seek the things that are above where Christ is. Christ is our life. And in the power of that truth, we can put to death what is earthly in us. And so question and answer 90 in our catechism describes new life in Christ. It describes the radically different nature of the Christian. The things we used to love, sin, we now hate. And the things we used to hate, holiness, God, good works, we now find joy and delight in them. Does this describe you? Do you know this new life? Do you know this heartfelt joy in God through Christ? Do you know this love and delight to live according to the will of God and all good works? That's what being a Christian is all about. It's not just kind of doing the things that you kind of have to do. It's not just going through the motions but it is a delight to walk in the ways of the Lord. Now, this is not something that we can achieve. This is something which is given. God promises it. God holds it out to you in the gospel. God promised it to you at your baptism. God confirms this promise to you in the Lord's Supper. And this is much, so much more glorious than the tired old pseudo-gospel of legalism. Legalism is all about, are you following the rules? Legalism tells us the, the lie, that if we would just do the right things, then we can earn God's acceptance. But the gospel tells us different. The gospel tells us that the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so when Christians come face to face with temptation, they don't ask themselves, what am I allowed to do? Where is the line? How far can I go? What can I get away with? Instead, when Christians are faced with temptation, they ask themselves, who am I? And when the devil tempts us, we say with Luther, I am baptized. That is not who I am. I am not a slave of sin. I am a servant of Christ. When our old nature chimes in and tries to help the devil to tempt us, then we cry out, out with the old and in with the new. That is the reality of the Christian life on this side of glory. It is a cage fight between the old and the new natures. It is a vicious battle to the death. And faithful children of God do not feed or encourage the old nature, but instead they rejoice in the new nature. And even as the battle rages, what defines the Christian is that the old nature is increasingly detestable to us. And we look at the plate of rotting meat and it makes us feel nauseous. We simply have no interest in it. And we look 
at the plate of fresh fruit and vegetables and we delight in it because our nature has been radically changed. Now that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. We're going to be dealing with the Ten Commandments over the next few months. And God's teaching us in the Ten Commandments what life in the new nature looks like. He's showing us what life looks like for sinners who have been freed from the bondage to sin. And he teaches us what life looks like for those who are holy and righteous in Christ. And the true believer says, I love it. I find joy and delight in it. This is the new me. This is, this is my new identity. This is who I am. The old me has died. I have been raised with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And so, brothers and sisters, out with the old and in with the new. In this new year, 2022, let's celebrate who we are in Christ. Let us seek the things that are above where Christ is. Let us delight in discovering what new life looks like and what it feels like. And let's sing, as we will in a few moments, in all the strife of mortal life, our feet shall stand securely. Temptation's hour shall lose its power, for thou shalt guard us surely. O God, each day direct our way. Renew us by thy spirit until we stand at thy right hand through Jesus' saving merit. Amen.